What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got Dave Miller. He is an amazing guy and has built a really an incredible business. He travels for a couple months out of the year skiing in Breckenridge with his wife and they, friends come in. Um, they, he's built a business that supports his life and not taking his life to support his business. He really understands his why. So he talks about hiring, talks about people, talks about some tools that he uses to hire. Um, we talk about the different, the structure of his company and what it looks like. And some of the, hopefully some of the mindset breakthroughs that you need to be able to build a company either virtually or how you can build your company, even if you live in the same area that you're flipping, but think of it virtually so it doesn't tie you to it all the time. I'm huge on this. I love systems and processes to outsource and, and get myself out of the loop so that I can travel, I can be with my family, and I can do all the things that I love to do. So we're going to talk about that today on the show. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody. I got another great show. I think I say that every time. I got another great show for you guys, but they're all great. Like I can't even figure out how to rank them. Put I don't even have a top 10 list, things like that. Like every show that I do is awesome. Every guest I'm excited to talk to. And today is no difference. Um, Dave Miller is uh, somebody I've known for years. And I've actually known his wife for a very long time. And uh, he's been in the group for quite a few years now and has been just awesome, awesome dude. He's given back a ton. He is a constant go-giver. He always does these like Super Bowl squares that everybody loves too. So like, <laughs> it's just, it's just awesome having him. He's been in our, um, our runway group, I think in the beginning. And then now our altitude group, it's, uh, he's in uh, San Diego and we got a really cool story. We're going to talk about like setting up a virtual business today and talk about some really cool stuff um, with that and how he does it and why. Um, so Dave, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Bill. I can't believe that you haven't been on the podcast. We had an event in South Carolina recently, and I had everybody raise their hand that hadn't been on the show, that wanted to be on the show and to reach out to me and all this stuff. And some of the people, I was just, I couldn't believe that they hadn't been on the show. It's just, I, I record episodes, I do things like this. And to know that we have so much like incredible knowledge inside the group of things that people are great at and things that people are doing and they haven't been on, it's like a... Uh, a travesty. So right now I've got you on, um, give us a little bit of background about your experience. Um, like what were you, what you were doing before this? Have you been flipping houses for a long time? And then maybe like how you found us and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, my career started actually in accounting. I was, uh, I worked in public accounting for 10 years for some of the big guys like KPMG, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, those guys. And, uh, I wish I would have done culture index, <laughs> <laughs> before I, I went into that, because I now realize why I didn't really enjoy it. Although it was a great foundation. I mean, when you're in something like that, you work with a lot of companies, uh, you're seeing a lot of things. It was such a good foundation for me. Uh, after that, I went and worked for a, uh, a franchise organization that was pretty small. I was there for 10 years as well. We grew it from 400 offices to 4,500 offices. I helped take it public. Um, that was a, a really good experience as well. Uh, while I was there, I actually operated a few franchises myself. So it was kind of a, a cool mix of working at the corporate office and also being a franchise operator. Uh, ran the finance department, also ran our operations group for uh, for about three years. Um, had 2,000 franchisees under me. Um, so that was, that was a good experience as well. 
but uh, I kind of got burned out of the corporate life. Uh, after that, I went and worked for my church uh, for five years. <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we had outgrown our space and we wanted to do some cool things there. So I went and worked, uh, took over kind of the operations finance role there, um, helped us build a 65,000 square foot facility, uh, started up. <laughs> I won't get too wow. off tangent, but off topic, but this is kind of cool. Like um, our architect, which I love this guy, he's, I keep in touch with him to today. And this was, you know, 10 years ago almost. Um, he had this vision of like, why do churches uh, use their facility um, so poorly? Like he's like only football teams use their facilities worse than churches. Like it's only like one, you know, maybe a couple hours every week. So he thought, why not have like a, a childcare center, which a lot of churches maybe do something like that, but also an, an event center to bring in people, um, bring in communities. So I helped just implement all that. So I was building the church, the actual building, and also setting up these ancillary things that just supported the ministry and also uh, helped bring in some more revenue to further drive ministry. So it's kind of a super cool thing. And it connected us with the community. So that was a really fun time. So I did that for five years. And all of this was in Virginia. Um, and then my wife, who's in the military, uh, she was transferred out to San Diego. So we moved out to San Diego. And when I went out there, I had to decide, well, what am I going to do now? When I, what am I going to do when I grow up? Like, I was like, okay, now I'm kind of starting over. I'm in a new place. What am I going to do? And we wanted to set up something that was flexible something where we could do the things that we really wanted to do. We want, we love traveling. Uh, and so we wanted to set up a business that allowed us to travel. And so uh, I was thinking about real estate for a while. I've been investing in real estate kind of on the side for maybe 15 years before that. And uh, I've been listening to your podcast and uh, my wife, Sarah, she's like, well, why don't you just go and do it? And I was like, well, I don't want to do it in San Diego. And so I said, well, I'm just going to do it somewhere. And I decided to actually join seven-figure seven flipping back then um, without even knowing my, my market. So I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to do it. I'll figure out where I'm going to do it soon. So I actually had a call with you. This was kind of interesting, too. <laughs> uh, you'd mentioned the connection. So I'll explain that connection, how you knew my wife. Uh, she's a helicopter pilot, too. And so I went to her and I said, Okay, this Bill Allen guy, I've been listening to him on these podcasts. Uh, what do you know about him? And she said, well, we've crossed paths a few times, and uh, his reputation in this small community, the helicopter community in the Navy is pretty small, is that he's a straight shooter. I was like, all right, that's good enough for me. I'm in. So <laughs> I uh, joined, and then, uh, yeah, I decided to, to operate remotely, and we set up our business, and it's been kind of, it's been really cool since then. We've been able to do a lot of fun things. Well, uh, I, I'm glad that Sarah said that about me. Um, you always wonder what your reputation is, right? What do people say when you're not around? This is uh, something that's really important to me. And I try to do the right thing, you know, in, in every situation, but I'm not always perfect. None of us are, as we would all agree. Um, so it's really cool to hear that. Um, that's something I would love to be known for is like telling people the way it is, like being a straight shooter and being honest and upfront with them. Um and, and stuff like that. So um, I, I remember our call. Uh, I, it was it was probably like, what was it like four or five years ago? Is it that, like that it long ago? 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. So it was right around then. And I, I remember there's there's a, you know, there's some pressure when you know somebody who's connected to 
uh, the person who's joining your mastermind group or your coaching program or something like that. So I've had a previous commanding officer of mine join. I've had um, my cousin's boyfriend join the group. I've had a my best friend's sister's best friend's husband, if you can follow that logic, join. And um, and you're one of those with somebody uh, who I was in flight school with. Sarah and I were in the FRS together in San Diego uh, before. I think she went to Guam. She go to Guam? She yeah, did, yeah. She went to Guam and I stayed in San Diego. And so we were in flight school around the same time. Um, and then in the FRS, the RAG to learn how to fly the H-60 together. And so while we weren't, I, I don't think we were in the same class, but we were close. We might've been in the same class in the FRS actually. And then, uh, so just being known for that is, is, is great. So I think your name and what you sign your name to is really important. So that that's cool to know. And I remember our call, um, there's a little bit, like you, you got the accounting backgrounds, a little bit of like, what is this? What is this going to have? Uh, those kind of things. You mentioned culture index. I just want to talk about it real quick. Um, that's a personality profiling tool that a lot of us use inside of seven figure flipping, uh, really great tool. He said, uh, Dave said that he wished he knew his culture index before he decided to become like get in the accounting world. And, and that's just like, am I naturally designed for this type of role? And you can know that you're like turning yourself inside out. So if a lot of you are out there and you like hate your job or you feel like you're always tired all the time at the end of the day, it's probably because you're doing things that are not natural for you. And while you can do it, you're probably turning yourself inside out and doing something that probably doesn't align with who you like God made you to be, who you naturally are, who you, um, who you show up every day. And when you're under stress and under pressure, you automatically become. And it's interesting, like two, a brother and sister, or two brothers can be like the exact opposite. It does not like your upbringing and things like that. It's just who you naturally are and what you naturally are driven to do. So um, it's a great tool. We use it to manage our team and our staff. Um, Dave, you mentioned investing in real estate on the side for like 15 years. What did that look like? Was it like passively investing in real estate? Were you like flipping houses? What was it? Uh, it was buying a house maybe once a year, rehabbing it and flipping it. Okay. You know, just doing it very casually. So yeah, you, had a, you had a little bit of background. You had like a, an understanding of some of the numbers, some of that stuff and, and, and things like that. So you went to San Diego, you said, hey, I've done this before. Uh, maybe I can do it again. Was it, what was it like? Like, were you immediately going to set it up as a, a virtual business outside of San Diego as a business? Or did you just want to get like a side hustle going for a while? What was that like? No, the, the decision was to make it a business and to not do it in San Diego. Uh, San Diego was expensive, very competitive, uh, and I didn't know the area at all. Um, and so I didn't want to jump into there. Um, not that it's a bad market and a lot of people that do really well there, but I, just, I didn't want to do it there. Plus, as I mentioned, we wanted to travel. So I didn't even know if we were going to stay in San Diego, um, which we're actually back in Virginia now for a little while. And, and so... Uh, the, yeah, I really wanted to set up somewhere uh, that I felt comfortable and um, that, again, it didn't tie me down. Yeah, so I think a lot of people, like, whether you are going to invest locally or virtually, um, I don't think it really matters. What I think matters is just pick, like pick sure. one and go. And I think a lot of people just stew over the idea and go back and forth all the time or say, I can't do it because I can't do it because you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to do this and I'll figure it out. And so I love that like decisiveness of just jumping in and going um, and then letting new information kind of be fed to you and you can make little adjustments and tweaks along the way. So let's fast forward a little bit. I think it's probably best. Like I, I want these, 
these shows to be very tactical. Like what can people take from it and actually implement and do? So, um, so you built a business, uh, maybe talk yeah. a little bit about what that was like and what the outcome was. And then, and then some of the things that you would, you would tell people of what you learned along the way that they could take to either set up their business or just change it um, from the direction that they're going right now. Sure. I, I would say in, in, um, well, I'll start off with saying like a lot of times we talk about our why in business, like, and usually our why is like, we're, we're doing it for our family or we're doing it for, um, whatever. Um, but we don't talk about how we set up our business to accomplish our why. So sometimes we just get like sucked in, like we want to go into any kind of business, whether it's real estate or something else. And we just kind of get sucked into that business and we can't really spend time with our family if that's our why. So like, I really want to spend a lot of time to create this business, to be able to do virtually. We love to travel. Um, We've been, you know, over the past three years, we've spent a, an average of two months in Colorado and Breckenridge, you know, skiing. You know, I'm still working there, but we're able to operate this business virtually. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, with, with the why and, and, and the why and how to set it up. Um, but some of the things that we're really focused on when you do something like this are your people. And that's important in any business for sure. But when uh, if something goes wrong, and I'm 2,000 miles away, well, I can't just, you know, go fix it. I have to rely on the people that I hire and the people that I'm working with and affiliated with, whether it's our employees, whether it's our contractors, whether it's our real estate agents, whether whatever it is. So, you know, I, we spent a lot of time getting the right people in place. And I will tell you, we struggled for a while getting the right people. We burned through a number of project managers, burned through a number of acquisitions managers, uh, and we finally have a really good solid team now. And part of it, it goes back to the culture index. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny last year, we had a project manager and uh, after we, we had her do the culture index and we knew things weren't working out. As soon as we looked at her profile, we're like, no wonder, like there's no way, like she's just not fit for this job. Like her her detail was extremely, extremely low and we're wondering why are things just falling apart. So we implemented culture index last year, and that truly actually changed a lot of things in how we we market to our our, our to uh, find people in our ads, and also running them through the culture index to to hire them. Um, but we we spent a lot of time on our um, um, on the the um, on our business as far as uh, focusing on our core values. Like a lot of businesses talk about that as well, but for us it's important, and I think it's even more important in a virtual business because. We can't be together in one place often. We're, we're doing things virtually. So um, we spend a lot of time talking about our core values and how can we uh, have a good culture even in a virtual environment. And we also have to put a lot of tools in place to, to run something like that. Like we, you know, we use Asana to manage our projects. Um, we have a lot of different kinds of tools that we use for just um, you know, taking pictures of the property, tracking things, using uh, Matterport, like a lot of these things that we can, that we use to be able to manage properties from wherever we are. So Matterport is a 360 degree tool that kind of uh, scans the house that can show you, you can like turn it. And if you ever seen a, a house on like Zillow or on the MLS, where you can like do a virtual walkthrough that has a 360 degree use Matterport. So you guys use that for your flips, like before or after or during or what? Yes, before, after, before, during, and after. Yeah. Really? And that's so how I get a good idea. So how, t tell me more about that. That's interesting. I, I've never heard somebody using it in their flip projects. So do you own the, the uh, like one of the cameras or what, what does that look like? 
Yeah, we bought the cameras and they're actually not that expensive. You don't have to go and get the $5,000 version. You can go get the $300 version off Amazon. And uh, yeah, you get the Matterport, you do the Matterport and it helps with a lot of our planning. I mean, you can you can do a ton of planning just with the Matterport. And so, um, yeah. Are you guys exclusively flipping? And if so, where? I don't know if you said what market you're in. Yeah, market is uh, primarily Atlanta. Um, we flip, but we also have long-term rentals and short-term rentals. And uh, actually rentals in a couple of different states, but mostly in Atlanta. And so all that short-term rentals, long-term rentals, mostly in Atlanta. So you guys are buying some of these houses and holding them. You're buying some of them for short-term rental and you're buying and flipping some. Yes. So what does the short-term rental and the long-term rentals do for you, for your business, for you to be able to travel and stuff like that? Like, was this part of your plan from the beginning or did it kind of evolve over time? No, this was part of the plan for sure. Like truthfully, I flipped to, to build passive income. Like that's my goal in flipping is to build passive income. So your goal for flipping is to build passive income. And to do that, you'll flip some houses to take money to get active income and turn it into passive income. Is that what you're talking about? Correct. Okay. So, um, so how did you like engineer this from the beginning? Was this like first day you joined runway and you were like, I'm, I'm going to build this passive income machine through flipping houses. And here's how much money I need per year or per month to accomplish what I want to accomplish. What did that look like? Yeah. So, um, so when it got this started, uh, it was actually a partnership with, uh, my brother and we we decided to do that for, uh, we were in this partnership for about a year and we decided "Ah, we're better brothers and partners and we kind of had different philosophies on a number of things and he's super, super successful. Um, and so we decided to keep doing this, but not do it together. Um, so then I had to, you know, I, I had to make a decision to I continue Atlanta. And it's really kind of cool because when I'm in Atlanta, I still get to see my family that's down there. Um, but it was really uh, truthfully focused on getting the right people and hiring. At the end of the day, you got to have the right people. If you don't have the right people, you're going you're to struggle. It doesn't matter if you're doing this virtually. It doesn't matter if you're doing this, you know, in your market. Uh, you got to have the right people. But what a difference it makes when you have the right people. I get super excited. Every single time I see someone doing something I used to do, like, and we, we talk about this a lot in the group, you know, how important it is to, I mean, if you're going to grow a scale at all, you have to, you have to have people to help you scale. And uh, I love bringing on people and, and giving them good opportunities. And uh, I also love seeing stuff I used to do go to somebody else. Um, so it's really, yeah, and truthfully, it's around getting some really good people. I can tell you, so here's an example. I mean, last year we, we only, I mean, we, we purchased, I think it was nine houses, not a good year. Uh, this year we purchased 21 and last quarter we purchased 12. And it's all because we got good people in place. We got the right people. When you have the right people, it's so important. So I'll tell people this all the time. I mean, if you don't have the right person, you got to let them go. You got to let them go and you have to go find the right person. I mean, you should first assess is the right person but the wrong seat. But if they're not the right person for your company, if there's no, if they're on the right, if there's not a seat, you have to let them go and go bring the right person. Like, and you, the, the longer you hold on to the wrong person, the longer you're going to struggle. So the other, the other thing that I see a lot of time with business owners and entrepreneurs like us is they don't put in enough time to train. They might have the right person, mm-hmm. but they're not actually... Most of us just want to put somebody in place that has like a background before. So let's use a project manager as an example. Maybe they were working as a foreman for a new construction uh, or they've, they've worked in renovation projects before they were a general contractor, something like that. We bring them on 
their handyman, whatever. They have the skill set, they have all the knowledge and that kind of stuff. And so we're like, okay, they've done this before. And then we just say, here's a house, go and expect them to know exactly what to do, how to how to get it done on our timeline, our budget, all that stuff. We don't communicate to them. We don't build out parameters, KPIs, tracking, anything like that. Uh, KPI is a key performance indicator, like deadlines they have to hit, numbers, those kind of things to say that it was good or bad. And then we just let them go on their own and hope that they figure it out. And yeah. then we wonder why they aren't doing a good job. And so I'm guilty of this on a regular basis. I want somebody to just put somebody in place and say, all right, go run. And um, it's very rare that somebody can do that because if they could, they'd already be running a company just like you. So um, what are some things that you do for like onboarding and training these people? Because you mentioned people a lot on this yeah. show so far. So what mm -hmm. are some things and some, some tips that you would give to the people that are out there to maybe find the right people and then maybe how to onboard them? Because I think this is the thing that, that really is challenging and is a is something that holds people back from from hiring these folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing when we implemented Culture Index, uh, some of our our coach helped us with uh, with not only coming up with the right profile for the person, but also structuring our ads. Um, so I look back at my original acquisition manager ads, and they're way too detailed. When you're looking for an acquisitions manager, like you got to start with, hey, you want to make six figures. Boom. Like, you know, so there's little things like that. You can structure your ads. Make sure you structure your ads to fit the profile of the person that you want. Uh, if you're looking for like a project manager or a transaction coordinator, someone that you need to be detail oriented, well, the, your ad should be very detailed because that's the kind of person that you want in that ad. And they're going to gravitate towards, oh, this has a lot of information in there. I like this kind of ad. Like maybe I like this company. Um, so something as simple as that made a big difference because we saw a difference in our applicants when we really tweaked what our ads looked like. And then, like you said, onboarding, we spend a lot of time coaching. Um, you know, we do a lot of virtual calls. I mean, just because we're virtual doesn't mean we don't spend a lot of time together. Uh, we review projects together. We talk about after every project is over, we talk about, uh, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? You know? We do those 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 post morbids or those post mortems to figure out like what what happened with the project, how can we learn from it? Um, yeah, you can't just let a, an employee bring on somebody and say go go make it all happen. Uh, you have to spend a lot of time coaching them. Um, and I'll say this too, like I I truly believe that everyone should operate their business as it is as if it is virtual, like. You know, if if you, if you're building a good company, it should operate the same whether you're there or you're not there. And like fundamentally, I have to build a good company because if I don't, it's going to completely crumble. Because I can't again, like I said earlier, I can't just go to Home Depot and grab something. I can't go fix something. I I have no choice but to do that. But if everyone <laughs> built their company that way, like think about you know. If you're listening to this and you're and maybe some of this is resonating where, man, yeah, I had to go and do something just the other day that I, it took all my, my entire day, just wasted it. And somebody else could have done it. Or if you're saying, yes, somebody else could have done it. You probably should get someone else to go do it. <laughs> so, yeah. You mentioned ads for the staff. I want to go back to that. I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I just got back today from a two week trip that we've been planning for like four years to go to Orlando with my wife her parents, uh, her sister, 
her brother-in-law, their kids, uh, my niece and nephew. And we went to Disney World for a day. We did the VIP tour there. Went to Universal for a day, did the VIP tour there. Hung out by the pool. And I tried to just have my computer and my phone down, you know, just being there with them for two weeks. And it's not possible in most people's businesses. Uh, pretty much all summer we were traveling, we were doing something, kids are home. Um, I take every Friday off to work at the farm. And we've been you know, killing a lot of chickens this year to use as meat and sell and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and being able to do multiple things in multiple businesses, people ask me all the time, like you're like the hardest working person I know. I'm like, I don't really think that we've ever spent that much time together because what I've tried to do is I try to set up one business to the point where it runs and that I can unplug from it and just be there when I'm needed and then go set, set another one up. And because um, and, it didn't all happen overnight all at once. So I love that concept of like being virtual. One of the things that we do in our ads, I'll give it, a, I'll give it a great example of what didn't work. Um, if you remember, I did a post on Facebook. If you guys follow me on Facebook, you probably saw it. It was this uh, executive assistant post, which was like, this is who I am. I'm like crazy entrepreneur. I all my flaws, all my things that are, that I like to do what I want to do. And, and the executive assistant I'm looking for is probably like over a year ago that I posted it. Mm -hmm. and it got like thousands of shares, more comments than anything I've ever done. And it drove a ton of traffic. It drove like thousands of leads into my ad and people that wanted to become my executive assistant, basically. Um, however, all the words in there were attracting people that were disorganized, that weren't detail oriented, that were just like as crazy as me, other entrepreneurs, like stuff like that. And it just wasn't the, it didn't have the right adjectives to attract that person who was like, you're talking to me. Um, mm -hmm. What it was talking to is all the people who were like, I'm like that too, or yeah, I think I can help <laughs> this person. Um, but mm -hmm. all the profiles that I was getting the culture index profiles were all not what I was looking for. I was looking for an architect or a tech expert. So these two profiles that have some detail um, and, and this like high ego type um, drive and, and need to win. And so I wasn't getting a lot of those, just a couple, like a couple of them. So what I realized, and, and we've, we've done this in the past, you write ads with adjectives specific to these people's traits and characteristics that, that are like, you're talking to me. Like that is me in this ad. All the best people I've ever hired have read the ad and been like, I, so I said, like, why did you respond to this? Why are we doing this interview? They're like, I mean, you wrote that ad for me. It was me that you're talking to. So that's really important. Um, and then also, you know, building a process and a system to bring on the right people like you talked about, I love. Um, yeah. What are some, you know, for me, there's some things that with my people that I've done right and I've done wrong. What are some examples that you give of some of the stuff that you guys do really well that you've done right? And what are some of the things that you've screwed up and done wrong in the past that you've learned from? Because I think it's always helpful um, out there when like hiring or onboarding or training or or managing or leading people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say our biggest mistakes are have been holding on to people too long. Um yeah, look at the where we we did poorly on jobs where we should have done really well. It's because we had, and this goes with with employees or contractors. There's once you know, rip the bandaid off and and move forward. Um, you know, things that we've I think we've done really well is is coaching. You know, we have some people on our team that, and I'll I'll be honest too. I'm kind of like you, Bill. I'm not the I'm not the best at it. Um, but fortunately, I have, uh, you know, Melissa, she's she's awesome. Uh, she's really good at that. And uh, and so we spend a lot of time with onboarding, spend a lot of time coaching. Uh, we we put a lot of tools in place to monitor. You mentioned KPIs earlier. I didn't mention that, but, we, you know, we, we put KPIs in place where you can, you can track how people are doing. 
at the end of the day, you have to uh, inspect what you expect. And so, um, yeah, you gotta have those, those, those KPIs in place and, and you have to constantly coach. Uh, another thing that we do, I think that's actually really important too, is we do uh, monthly one-on-ones where we're not talking about projects. We're talking about how people are doing. Hmm. How are so you who doing does that? Who does personally? that with them? Uh, it's usually their, their direct supervisor. Okay. So every month, um, if it's, and how many does, uh, how many, what does your team look like? Give me the rundown of like your staff, how big it is uh, and the structure of it. So who, who sits where? Sure. Sure. So we have a operations manager, we have a project manager, we have a, um, acquisitions manager, we have an admin support person and we're hiring a bookkeeper right now. And we also just hired, she's starting this week, a project coordinator to help, um, our project manager. And also help manage some of our properties. She has a number of she has a lot of um, pro- property management background. So and so who, who are you in that list? Are you were you on that list or not? Oh, and then there's me. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm the, the visionary. So visionary, and then who? Um, I'm I'm going to draw it right here for me. So it's got you, and then who do you? Um, who reports to you? The acquisitions manager and the operations manager. So acquisitions is just responsible for getting properties under contract. Correct. And then the operations person is responsible for getting that contract like to closing and then also flipping it. And so post, uh, post close. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so who, who does it, who answers the operations person? The project manager and our admin person. Project. And who answers the acquisitions person? Anyone? Uh, no. Okay. Who's the bookkeeper going to answer to? Uh, to the operations person, but I'll be heavily involved in that because of my finance background. Sure. And then did you say you were hiring for one other position? Uh, prop, a project coordinator. And that and who, person so, will report mainly to our uh, project manager. Okay. So that's like an admin assistant for the project manager, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to understand this. So this is interesting because I feel like this is the ops person has like two, maybe three people. Uh, so they're, they're talking to one person. So you do one-on-ones with the ops manager and the acquisitions manager. Correct. Right now. Okay. And then the admin talks to ops, project manager talks to ops and the project coordinator is not there yet. So, uh, okay, cool. So there's probably like a lot of hats that you're wearing that aren't on here right now. Like you're probably the CEO and visionary. You're probably the COO. You probably do all the admin stuff. You've probably been working with the books for a while. So like, as we build this out there and you're probably doing all the marketing, who's doing all the marketing. The marketing is me. Yeah. So, so like when you, when we even talk about this, we start building it out Um, for you that are, when you're listening, every business has marketing sales, operations, and finance. That's it. It's, it's super simple. Marketing, sales, operations, and finance. That's it. Every company. If anybody says they have something else, it's probably some spinoff or role of that. So, um, so then in marketing and marketing and sales might be in the same bucket. So you might just have marketing and sales, operations and finance, some split it out. So when somebody's like, oh, I have a, I have a, a closing coordinator, or I have a acquisitions manager, or I have a lead intake person, like that's all sales, lead intake and, and, and acquisitions, all sales, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're typically in these real estate companies, small real estate companies, the CEO is pretty much doing all the marketing usually, 
They usually don't have a marketing department. They're just sending out mailers and, and they're also doing all the marketing data, like the data, the numbers, like how, what's our performance like, what's our, what are our KPIs in the marketing department? And, and then operations is sick, simply transaction coordination, getting it to closing. If you're a flipping company, it's the renovation side. If you're a, a rental company, it's managing the rental properties and dealing with the tenants and dealing with the, the, the owners and all that stuff. Um, if in finance, it might be raising money. So you're doing finance too. You're probably raising money. You're probably giving reports to those people. You're probably um, making sure that they get paid on time. You're probably running the books. You're doing the taxes, all that stuff. You didn't talk about HR. There's human uh, resources there. You're doing the hiring. You're doing the onboarding. There's training. There's all kinds of stuff, right? So if you're a one-man show or one-woman show like I was in the beginning, like you, if you built it out so that you see all of that, then you can put yourself in all those seats and then just take yourself out of one of them to hire in. And um, so when you're building out this chart, I think it's really important for you to kind of figure out what's what's happening. Cause like you have sales, you have operations, but like finance is you and then marketing is you. So making sure that we know that, like you know that, but those people that are listening, as you start hiring people, you wanna figure out like, where's your weakness? And just hire out that weakness first is what my recommendation would be. So you're holding on to some of your stronger stuff, right? You're holding on to the finance. So you're like, oh, I'll be involved in the books, but answer yeah. the op operations person. Um, so like you might want to pull that ops person up under you and then have all these people answering to them, you know, um, at some point. And maybe you will, but uh, okay, uh, enough of that. So I, I, one thing else I wanted to point out here is you talked about contractors a few times. If you're if you're listening to this, you're like, it's cool. I'm a flipper. I don't have any employees. I don't need any employees. Every single person you work with is a team member of yours. Your realtor, your contractor, your subcontractors, your closing company, your attorney, like your bookkeeper, your CPA. If you name, like these are all people that are directly responsible for the performance of your company. Like they are team members. So you should fire those people just as fast as Dave's talking about firing his other team members or going through a process of hiring them the way that he's going through a process of hiring actually like W2 employees. Because a lot yeah. of times what we do is all these people that we're plugged into, if their business is not running well, it's going to affect our business. And so you got to be really careful about who you, who you let into your bubble, I think. What do you think about that, Dave? I, I agree 100%. I mean, we had a closing... Uh... Georgia is an attorney state, so you have to use a, an attorney. So we had a closing attorney there that um, made my life very difficult. It was just hard to do this virtually. And so I found another closing attorney, and I love working with them. They've made my life so simple. Closings are simple now. Um, so, yeah, you got to – you're right. It doesn't just – shouldn't just focus on your employees. It's your contractors. It's everyone that's associated with your business, your realtors. It doesn't really matter. I mean, they're all part of your business. For sure. Yep, your banks, life, your private lenders, people. like anybody that you're working with, like you can fire them just as easily as you can find a new one and hire a new one. Like it's just, it, it's it's a challenge. It really, like I, I, what, what I mean is it's a challenge for you to wrap your mind around the fact that everybody that that you work with and interact with, you, you're doing that by choice. Yeah. And it took me a very long period of time to figure that out. Um, and, and I would, I would literally, I'd be like, it's just a contractor. I could fire them at any time. And what I mean is an independent contractor, not like a general contractor. I'm talking about like fixing the house. I'm talking about any like third-party contractor that I would hire. And I wouldn't take the same time that I would if I was paying them a W-2 salary or bringing them on full-time on my team and giving them an email address that is my company. 
So you should treat everybody the same way. If you look at it through that lens, it'll change things for you in the, your hiring process and your onboarding and your training and those kind of things. Bring people into your system, build a system for yourself. Um, that's yeah, my 100%. biggest push to you. Um, okay, Dave, so what does the business look like now as far as like your time goes? You mentioned you were building this, like your why being a lot of, you like the guys want to travel, spend time together and not be tied to the business and all that stuff. Like, what does it look like now? And, and, and why do you think it's successful where maybe some other people are struggling? Well, I mean, I think we're, we're successful now and I'll always point to our team. Like at the end of the day, it's about your team. Um, and I know we've talked about that a lot. Um, but as far as for me, it, it's, it has allowed me to, to travel and spend time doing the things that are important to me. Um, and we've had a lot of, um, um, like, it's not just about having fun. I mean, I mentioned how often we, we've spent in Colorado skiing. I mean, we love, my wife and I love skiing, but it's about being there for family. And so we've been able to do that. And unfortunately, in the past few years, we've had a lot of, you know, tragedy that's been in our family. And, but it's been so awesome to be there every time when something's happened. Um, you know, I think it was you know, three years ago now, uh, my wife Sarah's sister passed away. As soon as it happened, we were up there. And we were the only family that could stay there from the very start till the very end. And we were there for a few weeks and we were able to then go visit her mom afterward. And then over the past year, her mom's had a lot of uh, health issues and unfortunately passed away a few months ago. And we were able to be there. I mean, we've spent probably three months in Wisconsin in the past year and a half just being with her mom. And, but, you know, this business allowed me to do that. And then just, just a few weeks ago, my wife uh, learned she had eye cancer. And so I'm actually sitting in Philadelphia right now, um, seeing a specialist so that she can take care of this cancer in her eye. Uh, later today, we're going to go back to the hospital and have a radiation pack taken off her eye that hopefully kills this thing because uh, cancer sucks. But, um, you know, we, we built the business so we can have this flexibility to go have fun, uh, but also to be there when we needed to be places. And it's just fortunate we've been able to do that. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, people look back and they on, and they're going to remember being with people, being with people they love. Uh, they're not going to remember a lot of other things. And I can tell you the past few years of my life are the most memorable that I've ever had. Mm. You know, uh, I remember when Justin told me this, like this saying, he said, your business is supposed to support your life. Your life isn't supposed to support your business. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, like that, I think a lot of us, we just go and go and go. And we're, we're constantly like hustling or, or moving from thing to thing to thing and are really just like, well, I have to do this. Like now's the time I, I have to put in all this time. We're not, we're not building it to run without us specifically. We're not building it to sell one day. We're not building it to produce 
cash flow or equity or things like that for us with a, with an intention. What I love is your intention was I'm going to build this active business to to kick off enough income to build my passive business. And then how do I turn my active income business into a passive business too, which is what I've tried to do from the start as well. Like I wanted to, I saw Andy do it. I saw Justin do it. I've never seen anybody do this before. It was brand new to me. My dad worked so hard in his business to the point where he could finally come out of it, but he didn't like, he eventually like sold shares and things like that. And was, but I mean, it took him 10 years to build this thing up. And he was like all day, all night, nonstop. He'd fall asleep on the couch when he got home. He was, you know, all constantly at the office. My mom was always like, when are you coming home? When are you coming home? I just remember that. And when I, when I was growing up and I was like, I don't want to do that. I saw these two guys doing it to the point where they're working two hours a week and they're like in their like thirties and they have a family and they're traveling and doing whatever they want. They have money. I was like, wow, this is it. So if you can yeah. intentionally build it that way, and it took me some time to do, but I love that the business supports your life and not vice versa. And for you to be able to be there for the, for the family, to be doing this stuff, I, I, I'm I a believer, as everybody knows, that listens to the show, I'm sure by now, but I, I truly feel like God sets us up for on a path so that we're ready when the challenges come. And so sure. over these last few years, you were setting yourself up to be able to unplug when you needed it, because if you were still in the corporate job or you're still doing some other things that you didn't make that decision before, when this, this challenge that he's giving Sarah right now is it, you're not available, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you're in a place that, that you can do all those things. And I, I, I believe that with like, when, we, when all everything lines up, we can actually see the path. Um, there was another cool quote I read recently. I don't, don't have it memorized, but it's like, you don't know the plan. Like you can't just like, until you look back, you can't see the plan as it's unfolding, yeah. right? But when you look back, you're like, oh, I see it now. So if you're in a tough time, you're in the thick of it right now, I think there'll be a point where you come out of it and you look back and you go, ah, I see what the reason for this was. Um, I'm going to challenge everybody that's listening to the show right now to say a prayer for Sarah. Um, she's got a lot going on. Dave's got a lot going on. Um, the fact that he jumped on the show with me, like, and we're finishing about 15 or 20 minutes before they have to go back to the hospital is amazing. Um, came to South Carolina to, to pour into the people that are there to, to grow and build his business and continue to do that. Um, in, while this was all going on, um, and Sarah being as supportive as she is of you and everything that you're doing is really cool to watch. Like it's, it's awesome to see you guys together. It's awesome to, to see that version of you and her is really cool. Um, but for you guys that are out there listening, um, I've never even heard of somebody that has cancer in their eye. Like I'm sure this is, this happens. It's, it's obvious you're going to a specialist, but uh, say a prayer. Uh, this is uh, don't, don't know what, uh, what's going to happen or what, uh, what I, I think God has in store for you guys is probably something really big. Don't know what it is, but um, I'll say a prayer for you guys. And I hope that it's cool that I have this show that I can um, ask for that because I know that's something that you guys want and need, I'm sure. Um, is there anything else that we can do for you uh, in this time, Dave? Uh, well, you just talked about the most important thing for sure. Yeah. And cool. uh, I'll say this too, like this was, this is important with this, you know, it's super, super rare. But if it happens, uh, you know, if you start to lose your vision at all, like you should go to get checked out like immediately. Like we didn't, we're so glad we pushed this so fast. Um, we literally found out just a couple of weeks ago and then she had surgery uh, last week. So within a, a week and a half of finding out like what was happening, she was having surgery um, to correct it. So. Yeah, I think that goes for anything. Something's off. Something doesn't feel right. Like yep. 
just go. I mean, I, and, and that's surprising. I mean, when, when you're flying helicopters and airplanes and stuff like that, and your vision starts going, you're going to speak up and say something. But I mean, we were trained our entire lives not to talk to the flight surgeon. Don't talk to the doctor. You're not going to be able yeah. to fly anymore. I'm sure that conversation happened um, in your house. Um, but, and I think there's a lot of tough people out there. There's like, I'm just going to tough it out. There's some things that you just can't tough out. So time is going to, is going to hurt everything. So I agree. Go check it out. Um, Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I think building a business um, to support your life is really the, what everybody should be doing. Then you gave us some really tactical stuff um, about, you know, some of the people, the culture index, some of the, um, the, the ads for that, some of the adjectives to be used, stuff like that. Um, I think what I'm going to do is I did a podcast with Matt White, who's my culture index rep. Um, it was a while ago, but just to give some context to it and, and let everybody learn from it, I'm going to put that, I'm going to bring that show back. I'm going to put it back on. I think the likelihood of him and I getting together really quickly, but what I want to do is right after this show, I'm going to put that show on. Um, so we have a background of culture index, what it is, personality profiles. We talked a ton about the adjectives and write, what to write to ads. I think these two shows in combo would be awesome together. Um, so I'm going to bring that one back from the archives and kind of move it up and put it there um, right after this show, because I think it'd be really powerful. I wrote that down. And uh, that culture index podcast I did with Matt White was really great on how to use these tools. Even if you're just using a free test like disk surveys or Colby's or Enneagrams or, or whatever it is. Um, there's a ton of different tools out there that you don't have to pay for culture index. So um, Dave, I'm sure you guys need something. Uh, we, we mentioned the prayers for you guys, for you and Sarah, what else uh, for business wise do you need? If there's some investors out there, uh, leads in a certain area, what counties you operate in, how can the audience help support you if they want to reach out to you and, and get in touch? Like what, what are you looking for? What do you need and, and how can I help? Sure. Well, I mean, we have a, a number of, um, private investors, but you know, that's something we love working with. Like uh, with all the business that we've done, I've actually only used private money to finance all of our acquisitions since day one. So um, I love working with individuals and helping them earn a great return while they sleep. So they can email me at dave at oaktree.re.com. It's like real estate, oaktree.re.com. Um, I love to talk to, to, uh, to any investors that are interested. Um, you know, I'm in the uh, Southeast Atlanta area. So if you're ever in that market, uh, feel free to reach out for sure. Uh, I also invest a little bit in the Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Virginia Beach area. Cool. Yeah, those are kind of the big um, things. Uh, I mean, our, 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 I really appreciate our private lenders. There a lot of them are people that I've known forever. Uh, and anyone listening as well, like if you don't, if you're not, if you don't have private investors that you're working with, like connect with people, it'll change your business also. Um, it makes, it makes things so much easier and, and they get a great return. Like I just, I love it. I love that concept. I learned it with, from this group and it's been awesome. Yeah, it's huge. It's a huge win-win. Like you, you don't know how yeah. much you're helping. When I try to give people mo their money back, they get really upset. Um, <laughs> I love making them great returns. I love helping save on taxes if I can. I love all that stuff. And and I love that people trust in me and, and we can do right by them and build a relationship. The um, uh, last thing I want to talk about is Flip Hacking Live. It's coming up. Um, what can you say about it? You've been to Flip Hacking Live before, right? Number of times, yeah. So what would you say, what would you recommend to people who are like on the fence? Should I go? Should I not go? 
Um, Flip Packing Live is coming up October 12th, 13th, and 14th. You can check it out, fliphackinglive.com. It's back in San Diego, California this year. I'm sure you're excited about that. I think you said something like you're not like you're not going to be there during that time, though, so it's kind of a bummer. Well, so, well I, I still have a place in San Diego, and so I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be back. But we're, we're in Virginia right now. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going back to, to Flip Packing. I wouldn't miss it uh, for sure. Uh, anyone that's, if, if you're, you just have to go. If you, you have to go, like you're going to learn so much information. You're, if you haven't been before, you're going to be shocked at how much detail is there. Like all the good nuggets. There's so many, you're going to have pages and pages and pages of notes. And there's going to be a lot of gold, gold nuggets in there that it's going to pay for your ticket and your transportation and your lodging 10 times over. Um, you, you have to go. Awesome. Um, yep, it's coming up. So don't wait. The ticket prices go up like every couple of weeks, especially as we get closer, they'll be up over a thousand dollars. So, and I'm, I'm going to be starting to announce the speakers if I haven't already, by the time you hear this show. Um, but we actually have some really cool guests coming up. I'm finalizing all the contracts with some of the keynote speakers. I'm hiring a couple of people to come in. I'm really excited about, and I'll have some podcasts coming up of who those folks are introducing them to the audience and how they can help you guys. So really excited yeah. about this year. Um, uh, I've got, I'm going to plan something a little bit different than what we've done in the past. Um, where it'll still be tons of tactical advice, things like that. But I really feel like I know the secret of success for you guys. I've seen very successful entrepreneurs and business owners, and I've seen some people that have come through that haven't been that successful. And over the past four or five years, I've really been trying to diagnose what that is. And I think I found the secret. So we're going to be talking about that a lot at the event. Um, we've got some really cool stuff planned. So go to fullpackinglive.com, check it out and share it with your audience, your friends, your family, uh, bring your kids, bring your spouse if if they're up for it, but share it, like tell other people about it. The only way that this event is going to get out there is if more people talk about it. So um, I'm only so loud. So fliphackinglive.com, check it out. The uh, link will be in the show notes. So will Dave's email if you want to reach out to him. Dave, thanks for being with me and I'll see you guys on the next show. Bye. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everyone. See ya.